The Fat Boy Show. You're listening to The Fat Boy Show on your number one station, RX Radio. Hoping that you are doing well. Are you driving to work right now? Well, let me ask you, what is the condition of the roads? It must be full of portals. This is Uganda, after all. If only we had enormous oil revenues that we would be able to use the money to fix the roads, build nice schools, hospitals. Wouldn't that be nice? Of course, more than half of it would probably be stolen, you know, the money. But at least there'd be some left over to do something about the roads, you'd think. However, even that may be out of reach because uh, we've got uh, some uh, members of parliament in the European Union parliament that are trying to sabotage our attempts at building a 14 trillion shilling oil pipeline. Yep. And in response to that, legislators, our legislators, led by Deputy Speaker Thomas Tayeba, have condemned these European Union MPs, accusing them of economic sabotage, also racism and interference over a motion that they file seeking to block this 14 trillion shilling oil pipeline project. According to the Deputy Speaker, Taebo, he said the motion seeks to curtail the progress of Uganda's oil and gas developments and, by extension, the country's socio-economic growth and development. You're not going to believe this, but the EU Parliament did vote on a motion for a resolution to stop the construction of what is known as the East African Crude Oil Pipeline, EACOP, citing human rights violations and negative environmental effects of the project uh, to both Uganda and Tanzania. Now, according to the Deputy Speaker, this resolution represents the highest level of neocolonialism. How is it their business? Could it be because they're the ones giving us the money to build it? <coughs> I don't know. We might find out soon. Anyway, how can such a motion affect Uganda if the motion is successful? Uh, that's the question of uh, that we're exploring today on the Fat Boy Show. And we are joined by economist and uh, managing partner at CESA, Mr. Ronald Wanda Wosomu. Hello, Ronald. Welcome to the Fat Boy Show. Yes, James. How are you doing? I'm very glad to be here. Fine, fine, fine. Well, what do you make of it? The audacity. People in Europe saying that we in Africa can't decide for ourselves if we want to build an oil pipeline or not. What's going on? It's one of those big stories that is actually deserves the space city it's occupying. Because you are the world today is in a transition from fossil fuels to clean energy. How long this takes is a matter of debate. But what is vital and really important to understand, it's very important on a security level, on a geopolitical level, economic level, and some believe actually for the survival of the planet. So it's quite, quite, quite a big topic. Now, right now, I lean on the side that says green energy is a scam. Uh, <laughs> essentially, all you're doing is transferring uh, the output of the emissions. So rather than the emissions coming from individuals' uh, automobiles, the emissions are now going to come from the plants and the factories and, and uh, institutions that are going to be producing the energy that will be powering these electric cars. So you simply can't run away from the fact that, you know, you are going to continue to emit, uh, you know, carbon or carbon dioxide. Even to produce the electricity, you're going to need to power these uh, electric uh, vehicles. What about uh, the cost of the batteries and the environmental damage, the batteries for these uh, electric cars? Uh, you know, wh what the impact they have on the environment. They don't talk about that. So I feel like they're not telling us the full story when they argue that, oh, let's just make a transition to green energy and everything will be fine. 
You can already see what's happening in Europe right now with winter looming. Everyone's terrified because of the sanctions against Russia. They're not going to have uh, <laughs> energy to keep their own people warm. Don't you think it's just a joke, the whole green energy thing? No, it's a, actually a very serious topic in many ways. It could be seen as a joke for the fact that the transition will have to take decades, probably even half a century or whatever the period is. It's not a joke that there is actually a trend towards the warming of the globe that has been significant enough that I believe intervention should probably Okay, so, but then, even so, if they want to do that in their countries, like if the people there vote that that's what they want to do, okay, fine. If it's what you want, do it. But for them to now try to pass motions that would impact our economic decisions here. If the people of Uganda and Tanzania have said, we want this pipeline, don't you think it's for us to decide on whether or not we want to do that and to debate the consequences? Unfortunately, we live in a global village. That's a fact we can't run away from. And some of these issues touch on what is actually security and geopolitics. We appreciate that. You can see what has happened with Russia. After Europe tied itself in the last two decades, relying on Russia for the foundational supply of most of its gas and some fuel and some oil, they have now had to go into a rapid process of unbundling themselves from Russia. It's becoming quite painful for them. <laughs> As you clearly I hope not gleefully indicate they are going to struggle through this winter. Yeah, but didn't you read about how in France they had to reopen uh, closed coal mines? <laughs> no, no, they are all going to shift back to coal. They will use uh, flies so, wherever so, they can. So now the situation is even worse. Now Surely gas is better than coal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's very true. But it's now a pure geopolitical problem and security as well. Because in so tying themselves to Russia, they become totally reliant on it, and it's now a purely security problem. As far as they are concerned, it's no longer just economic or livelihood issue. It's pure security and the geopolitical. Russia has now the leeway, at least, to make its moves within its local area, with many of the European countries having to kind of postpone whatever actions they feel they could take until they're in position to unbundle themselves fully from Russia. That has now become a problem. And some of these unbundling may take a year or two. But remember, it took almost two decades for Russia to tie them totally to its what? supply lines and all that. So the unbundling process is faster, but it will be painful because it's fast and it may take a year or two. But uh, why you you sound like you're assuming that it can only move in a positive direction. What if it leads to a collapse <laughs> yes, of, of Europe no, 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 no. and a decline of, of the, do you know what I'm saying? It can go backwards. You're totally right in that say. The unbundling will either lead to a deep recession, the faster it goes, the greater the recession. So they are slowing down the unbundling for a year or two so that whatever slowdown they may experience will not be as bad as it will be, but they are in the determined to unbundle. The determination does exist than the unbundling. Yes, coming back to our situation, we now come sliding into that particular reality geopolitically. When things become security issues, eh, we as small-time players and coming late to the game of oil, because oil resources across the world are more or less spoken for, 
across the world. Almost all reserves across the world are already possessed or controlled by one power or another. The ones that have been on the periphery were the more expensive ones to reach. And that plays into ours, which was always known, existed, but very expensive to extract and reach. And so it has come late onto the scene because of the expense. But this has been made possible by the high prices of oil and now the geopolitical problems as you see them. But it's also aligning at the same time with the shift from fossil fuels to alternative energy. So there are a lot of changes and plays in the whole system of change. And somehow we were lucky to get approval at the total board to go ahead with this particular project. It was the last project I think Total has promised to invest in uh, fossil fuel. It mm -hmm. seems to have been the last. Now, what the EU is doing right now, the parliamentary part, we don't know what the council will decide because the council is the final decision maker, is trying to warn Total of the project because Total is a 62% owner, a majority shareholder in the whole project is significant. Wow. If they squeak through at the board, can be threatened by an EU parliamentary resolution. And then if the council makes a decision one or the other, then it will be very difficult for this pipeline to go ahead. Okay, so, because I, I was wondering about that, you know, just because some MPs in the European Union pass a resolution, how does that affect us? So essentially, they have the power to inflict a lot of pain onto Total, on Total. <laughs> or put pressure on Total. Uh, to withdraw from this arrangement. And so if Total withdraws, then there is no pipeline. Total is a central geopolitical player within France and Europe for that matter. It plays its geopolitics on the African continent. So our relationship with France has improved significantly. And one of the ways this has been shown is by Total forcing itself to go ahead with this particular project. That was basically must have been a government decision. France had decided it had to go ahead with this project. So at the Council of Ministers, there's a high probability France will still push for this particular deal. If you have noticed, the French government has been on a on a friendship march across the continent, especially in the Great Lakes. You can see them repair their relationships with the Kigali and now, of course, playing the game here. And the, all these are aligning pushing against China and Russia for that pattern. Russia has those particular fighters, the Weiner Group, which is a private entity that has been playing a lot of games within the continent. Mm -hmm. They reversed a lot of French military-related issues in Mali, and I think they are making some moves in Chad, and now they have been participating in Ukraine. So when you see the EU playing this kind of game, and we have been kind of on the borderline. We are on the fence as far as Russia is concerned, though we we'll probably lean more towards Russia for that matter. But we've been more on the fence. Some of these could be hints at, again, the security part or more, but more of the geopolitical push to either make us behave better for that matter, because we really, 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 really need this pipeline, or to push France to act in a particular way. But France is pushing back hard against Russia in the region. In Africa, in so if that's the case, so I feel like these European Union MPs are tying themselves into a knot. 
on one hand, they want to wean themselves of the energy uh, dependence on Russia, right? Which would require, if logic makes sense, it would require for them to uh, seek alternative sources of energy, uh, you would think. Uh, And if other regions of the world are trying to uh, set up infrastructure to be able to exploit the energy resources and potentially export it to other markets, even including the EU, why would they try to sabotage it? Doesn't it seem like they're shooting themselves in the foot? Yes, that could be seen. On the on the face of it, that could be the case. But background moves could be related to pushing it and ascertaining. They have a direct, all clear line of access. What about this nonsense of human rights? Since when have they cared about the human rights of uh, people who produce oil? I haven't heard them say squawk about Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I just, you're forgetting our history. I think you remember when we were in high school and and during such moments, we often had the process of uh, answering historic questions and you had a standard line of answers. You, you would say, I'll give it so many points. You have like eight of them and some of them are the usual standard. Uh-huh. So human rights is a standard point that one has to put in any statement. There has been some level of, of democracy you have to talk about and nowadays i think they add gays and you know oh, minority too. rights and on and on and on before you have it you have a list of seven or eight items you have to deal with of course that one will have to join the list of items to be considered but let but me ask you are, are the, never, never that important. so are the concerns about environmental degradation valid uh, in your opinion do you really think that this project is going to uh, negatively impact uganda and tanzania environmentally I think since it has come at this stage and Total has been so determined to have it go ahead, French government is so determined to have it go ahead, they will try to tick off every important item that is of serious concern to environmentalists especially. So I don't see how they would go off, look aside when some of these issues are to be considered. They must be ticking off every detail and, and you know, dotting every line or whatever the case may be. So, as far as I'm concerned, I believe those details are being looked at very seriously. Well, my For final... them to push it as an item, mm-hmm. you know, is to add on the list back because it's one of the most urgent areas that galvanize, galvanizes communities within their, what, their areas. So, it's an important thing to, to point at. Here are our NGOs and whatever. We have so many within that area. You can, what, bet they are deeply in, engaged in these areas. My final question to you is uh, the impact. Uh, or, you know, how would our economy suffer if the project is abandoned? If these uh, European Union MPs are successful in halting the construction of this uh, project, what will that do to the economy of Uganda? The Ugandan economy has been stuck and almost headed nowhere for for the last five years. And with COVID and what has followed, I really, 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 really in dire straits. We, however, whatever play we may have on, on the face of it, we seem to be losing direction in that sense. This pipeline would somehow re-engage and make Uganda an important player within the region. It will not just be a question of the resources that flow in to, for the construction period and uh, at the early stages of it, but over the longer term, we become a significant geopolitical player within the region with this particular pipeline in place. The possibility that we can even get more 
of uh, the product within the region to be channeled through here becomes quite important because that particular area going all the way to south sudan on and on has a lot of fossil fuels so if we build a significant infrastructure that was related to a pipeline and the and at the same time we had a, a refinery we could become a significant player within the region as a landlocked country we are more or less headed nowhere with this particular investment in the area we would really, really become significant well i lean in favor of uh, us proceeding with the project uh, what about you what are your thoughts uh, are you in agreement with the mp should we stall this project and instead explore other sources of energy But if all the people in Europe start driving electric cars then of what use shall be this oil that uh, we are sitting on in this country it will just uh, all go to waste. What <laughs> if you will then basically becoming obsolete that there's no word about it. I I do disagree strongly. <laughs> but <laughs> no, let me just give But you time idea. will show us who is right. <laughs> no 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 just a little idea about it. Eh? The fact is that there are 10 million cars sold in the world every year. New cars come on the road. 10 million every year across the world. Yeah. Electric cars are, are not yet even a million. All they are struggling to get to a million. So to and we have a fleet of almost 200 million cars on the road. Replacing the whole fleet can take up to 20 30 years. That being the case, you can see as the transition as they gearing up towards electric cars gain steam. It will not be a decade or two or three issue it's basically half a century so i will i, right I hope we shall live long enough to see that happen yeah <laughs> you go that's how long it is exactly. <laughs> you know to live to be there. so <laughs> so the transition is occurring but it's a long term it's not say, an immediate next year five years ten year issue all right no. so this is a debate that will have to be settled by our children not us <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, economist uh, Ronald Wanda Wasomu. He's also the managing partner at Ciesa. Thank you so much for joining us on the Fat Boy Show today. Always a pleasure to uh, speak to you about these matters. You're a very knowledgeable fella. Uh, hope you yeah. can join us again soon. Yeah, thanks a lot, James. Thanks a lot. All right. Enjoy your day. Bye. Okay, thank you. Have fun. <laughs> All right. Well, do keep listening to the Fat Boy Show here on your number one station, RX Radio. RX Radio.